This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Non-Dairy Creamers. Moo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you all liked that uh, sponsorship. That was definitely Jason's crown jewel of comedy. Grant said, okay, ready for your sponsorship? Go. And then I just did that with no notice, and then I wanted to redo it, but he wouldn't let me. It's too perfect. It's (laughs) so succinct. It Brevity is the soul of wit. That yeah. could be your whole podcast. I don't really understand if it's... I don't know what it's trying to say, you, that sponsorship. <laughs> I really don't. All I know is non-dairy creamers paid me a lot of money to say that. Yeah, and then the... Yeah, we didn't even... You didn't even link people to the to the discount code. They know where to find it. That's true. They know where to find it. If you know, you know. So we're back. It's been a little while. Um, we've been busy. I went to Costa Rica for, t- for two weeks... Maybe I'll uh, post a couple pictures of those on the Good Ship Brothership's story so people can see that. It was really nice. It was really relaxing. I got some dental work done. My mouth's still a little <laughs> bit sore. Um, he's not joking. Yeah, no, I did. He's actually, I really he's did. actually not joking. They cut a piece of gums out of my mouth. What did you do while I was gone for things that we talk about here? Um, <laughs> I mean, I recorded an episode with a... With a young man named Caleb, who is significantly larger and hairier than you. Yeah, he is. And uh, we had a lovely time talking about Ready Player One. The The worst part about that episode, and I haven't told you this yet, but I went to... Let's move this table. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, our table was just kind of not fully on the carpet. It's kind of off, and then it's kind of wobbling. Anyway, uh, so Caleb and I talked about Ready Player One, and I'm not sure the sequence that we're going to upload these in. I tried to get my episode with Caleb up online, and it just did not happen. I couldn't figure out how Jason uploads them, because that's his end. That's his 50%. I record and kind of um, mix and master and edit the episodes, and Jason gets them up for you. And uh, that sounded really inappropriate, didn't it? <laughs> Carry on. Okay. Um, and so, so, uh, and then we were going to post it earlier this week. And of course, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, the, uh, the editing software I had just crashed many, many times into the wee hours of the night and I gave up and went to bed. So, uh, with that being said, Caleb and I talked about Ready Player One on that particular episode. I spoke more about my experiences watching the movie for the first time, and he spoke about watching the movie and reading the book so that was very interesting i i appreciated the more fleshed out kind of take we got to that's something we could do more often too i could not find for the life of me ready player one to rent like anywhere online i ended up buying it on the playstation 4 store for 24 dollars what yeah it was my only option we were like why didn't you just go over to caleb's and watch it but we were recording like the next night and it was like 11 p.m. Oh, my god! I was like, I, I guess this is what I have to do. That so sucks. So I dropped a stupid amount of money. Here's, a, here's the thing that makes me mad. When you got a Blu-ray for less than half Right? That. Yeah. Right? Exactly. A digital copy is not worth that much if because a there's $10. nothing physical about it. Now, you can make the argument, well, it's a film. You know, a lot of manpower and money went into making that film, so it's actually worth more than that. Sure, but in the economy of these things, as it exists right now, your movie's not worth 25 bucks, Steve. Now, this is... I don't care about tangents. I'm long past caring about anything. 
this actually brings up an interesting issue with digital media. There was a story recently in more the gaming sphere that we, and the gaming sphere is kind of tangential to us. We don't talk about it that much. No. Um, a developer. Except, except Hotline Miami. Yeah. Which apparently you, twice. Twice on yeah. this show. It would be kind of actually interesting to listen to both of them and see how our opinions yeah. change. But I have yeah, a I just want to, let's just so, drop yeah. quickly. We never realized we talked about that twice and <laughs> we did, so if you so yeah i'm so sorry i kind of and then after that i was like have we done that with anything else that's so bad it's pretty bad that's very anyways bad. the moral of the story is in the gaming news recently telltale a gaming developer has been going uh under and apparently minecraft story mode which is the episodic minecraft game they made yeah will be taken off of the store and even if you bought it, unless you have it downloaded, you won't be able to access it. So that raises an interesting question, because at that point, you're not really buying a product. You're buying a license that can yeah. be removed at any point. So you don't own it at all? Not really. Like, they take it off. If you don't have it downloaded, they take you're it off paying, the store. You can't get it anymore. You're for access to the game. Yeah, basically. See, that's a huge... For me, that is a huge... Uh, and that could that goes for, like, any digital... Sure. Yeah. Any anything that you purchase can mm -hmm. be changed if you own it digitally. Yeah. You know, there's really no protecting. Like, people went through that whole thing with PT. The um, and that was free. Who was that? That was well, Konami, Capcom. No, but who was the producer? The famous man who produced it. Oh, what's his face? Let me Google it. He's yeah. not as he's not that famous compared to other people. Well, he's pretty big. <laughs> Did he do Metal Gear? No. 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 Why why did I think it was him? Anyway. But uh yeah, PT the uh this horror horror game playable trailer, I guess. That's mm -hmm. what PT stands for. Yeah. But uh that kind of causes big Oh, no, you're right. It was Hideo Kojima. Oh yeah, okay, you're welcome. Dang. Yeah, the Metal Gear man. One yeah. of the most famous video game producers. And yet you couldn't remember his alive. name. Um and he if not maybe the most yeah, I'd say the most, the single most, like, one man. No. I bet you the kids these days, they know, like, Notch from Minecraft. Okay, or, but uh, Notch has done but, one like, thing. Uh, Cliff Blazinski is the guy from Blizzard, who everyone knows from, like... Is that why it's called games? Blizzard? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Or, like, uh, Randy Pitchford is the Borderlands guy. I think Kojima's still I don't know, top whatever. of the heap in a lot of ways. I mean, that's why he got all those movie stars to agree to be in his game. But anyway, and this uh, that trailer was released and people went nuts about it. And then did Kojima decide he wasn't going to do it or something? And it was just kind of like... They decided the game would not be made, but they also decided to pull the trailer off. Yeah, so they pulled the trailer off of the store and deleted it off of like everybody's playstation so unless you even if you downloaded it correct no if you had it downloaded it would stay but really? you could yes but you could no longer download really? it yeah hmm. i bet you now i don't know this for sure but i think a playstation with pt downloaded would still be worth like 600 bucks oh absolutely um and when it was first pulled people were selling them like in the weeks later for like well over a thousand dollars yeah which is insane absolutely crazy and that's I mean, that's probably the silver lining of piracy, honestly. And yeah. it's not that piracy itself is, like, ideal, but on the PC, nothing is ever going away. Yeah. Someone's going to have yeah. it. And in the face of uh, in the face of platforms like that where 
your own, you know, if you consider you buy a, a digital copy of something, if you consider that your belonging, mm-hmm. your possession, it's really not. Yeah, it so, raises the question, because these things have been around for a limited amount of time, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Like, will my grandkids be able to go and download, be like, this was my grandpa's copy of Horizon Zero right? Dawn. And I mean, there's also just no, there's nothing there, is there? Like, there's there's no connection. Human beings are, I mean, they're spiritual beings, but also physical, obviously. We exist in a physical world. Look at all this stuff that's in the studio. Like, all this stuff that I've amassed. There's so yeah. much caked blood. I Well, that's from the music machine we're gonna need that yeah, later we're gonna need that we got uh, our little pygmy scraping it off the walls right yeah. now keep it down tyler his name's not tyler it was uh shoot anyways whatever strauss he knows his job um but uh yeah i mean i just <sighs> there's a reason why i buy dvds blu-rays and it's because we have bad wi-fi but if there was another <laughs> idea or if there's another reason rather it would be because there's just something concrete about owning a physical object. And, I mean, right there, I've got the Nationals' new album that we'll be talking about, and I pre-ordered it as a CD because I know that that CD will, you know, it'll outlive a digital copy I have, probably. Unless I scratch, scratch it real bad. Let's play the theme music. Yeah. I will. Now, I mean, Spotify completely won me over, though. I had to... Spotify is good for some stuff, but... Yeah, I... It's... I feel like at that point, though, it's kind of the best of both worlds because I can pay for Spotify and I can get music, all music, whenever I want, and then I can support artists by getting merch, which is sweet, so they still get the same amount of money if I'm buying merch, or they still get the same amount of revenue. I mean, it depends on how liberal you are with your merchandising purchases, as opposed to your album purchases, which I'm going to say is a factor of about one-tenth... It's probably so you're, smaller. You're actually not spending more money. How, you have bought zero band shirts since getting Spotify. No, but I didn't get Spotify that long ago, to be fair. I haven't been to any concerts since I got Spotify or anything Yeah, but like that. also, I'm just saying that, like, yeah. before Spotify, when you were more of a... I'm not going around bebop scat and buying t-shirts all the time. Welcome you're aboard the, the Good Ship Brothership. Brother it's the only arts podcast, podcast that covers film, music, gaming, literature, and, and flip-flop running, long-distance style. I'm Grant, and this is... Jason. A long-distance running style is called a marathon. Yeah, well, I was off the cuff. It didn't work. Do you work. think that there's ever been an organized marathon just for people wearing flip-flops? There, it, Absolutely. There must have been. Let's find out. Okay. okay. Jason, what have you been uh, into lately? I have been reading through American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I think maybe I had just dipped my toe in the waters last time we recorded. At this point, I'm almost finished. And I have to say, I've really been enjoying it, and we'll probably have some kind of discussion about it. Um, additionally, <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Okay, hang on, we'll get on to that in a second. Um, I also was quite active, just with consuming stuff in general. With my two weeks in Costa Rica, I had quite a bit of downtime, because it was a low-key vacation. So I played through all of Uncharted Golden Abyss, the Vita launch title um, that I've been meaning to get around to for years. And it was really fun, you should play it. There's something, even, you know, uh, seven, eight years later... There's something very novel about playing what's basically like a console game shrunk down on a handhold, handheld, uh, handheld game, handheld console like the Vita. 
The voice acting is good. It's not great. The story is super campy, as it would be with Uncharted. It's basically just what you sign up for. The yeah. thing I will say, without launching into a full review, that drove me bonkers, and I haven't talked to you about this yet, is since it was a Vita, PlayStation Vita launch title, it uses all of the features of the Vita fully. Oh, yeah. Well, they ha- that's probably a contractual yeah, obligation. Yeah, I think it is. So it's like, hold this up to the light to see it. So I end up just turning the light on my phone and shining it in the camera. But the worst was you can tilt the Vita. It's a handheld console, for those of you who don't know. You can tilt it from side to side so that uh, the protagonist, Nathan Drake, will reach his hand out when you're platforming. So, so is like, that one thing where you tilt it to the left side and he reaches left? Or do you have to yeah. waggle it back and forth? No, you tilt it to the left okay. side. And you can, you can do it just with normal controls too, but you cannot disable... The tilt controls. Yeah. So the problem with that is if you're laying in bed on your side, you're playing, you're playing, and then he's just like this, and all the other controls lock up. Yeah. So if you're in a gunfight with something, he's just reaching his arm out over a cliff like an idiot while I get torn up by AK-47s because I don't want to lay on my back in bed. Yeah. You could lay on your stomach. Yeah, and I think I ended up... I I figured it out. I beat the game. Whoa. Other than that, I'm... impressed with such a massive hurdle. Yeah, I beat the game on hard. Uh-huh. Okay. After that, I've been replaying Child of Light, which is maybe a game we talked about early. Maybe not. <laughs> we may I don't have. Know. We could have talked about anything we at might this have. point. Child of Light is this adorable uh, JRPG. It's actually really short. It's this beautiful painterly art style. If we haven't talked about it, we really should. It's really it's, not a true JRPG, though. It's Well, it's not Japanese, but it's in the JRPG <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, It's probably in my top 10 favorite games of all time still it's just a delight in every way and i've really enjoyed replaying it um i'm still going through assassin's creed origins i won't talk about that anymore i have one episode of the office left so we'll have to have some kind of discussion once i finish it i'm i'm in still in season eight i've also kind of stalled out on it just because i i haven't had any time to watch stuff season nine i think goes downhill in a major way to the point where I enjoy watching it, but I think the only reason... I'm trying to analyze this. I think the only reason I enjoy watching it is because I know and like the characters. Yeah. And I don't think it's a good show anymore. Yeah. But I think it's just like, I know these guys, I love them. It's and interesting because they... Uh, I read part of an interview or watched part of an inter- in interview or something like that with some of the writers who said, yeah, after season eight, they knew that season nine would be their last season. So I guess maybe they sensed it going downhill a little bit. Cause I am in season eight and it has gone downhill. It's not nearly as funny. I think some of the episodes early in season eight are the best episodes ever. Like, the, really? like not the best episodes ever, but the garden party episode that is, is a so good. good. It's like, but I think, I think that I'm going to adjust the pop filter here. Okay. I don't, I don't think that, sorry about that. I don't think that that's one of the best episodes. It's just, they, stretch out some of the jokes like jim messing yeah. with dwight to such an extent that it's no longer really funny for me it's it, like a caricature of the show itself jim messing with dwight didn't used to be part of like the episode synopsis it was yeah. just something that happened while the plot was unfolding yeah instead of like now jim's gonna launch a nuke into dwight's mouth unless he does something about it okay um but anyway yeah so the office yeah that is pretty much... Oh! I, and then we should... 
well, I guess it's, it doesn't really warrant its own segment. I watched a, I guess a true crime series that Grant got me to watch. Did called... you watch that? Yeah, didn't I tell you that? No. I, I like <laughs> blasted through it in like the of first day in Costa Rica. Yeah, of course called, you did. What is it called? Evil Genius. Called Evil Genius. If you guys haven't watched Evil Genius, it's a Netflix original. You absolutely have to if you're okay with it being creepy. It's the true story of a... It, just the, a, it unfolds. Uh, yeah. It unfolds with a pizza delivery man robbing a bank with a bomb around his neck, and the True bomb story. goes off. That's no spoiler to say the bomb mm. goes off and kills him. And it, what un, what unfolds or follows is this examination of who is behind this bank heist that goes so wrong. Was this pizza delivery man? I think his name's Brian something. Yeah. Was he in on it? Uh, Did he know he the bomb was real? Partially in it. Does he know the bomb's real? Who made the bomb? And it's one of those things that I watch. It's only four episodes long. And they're like forty-five minutes yeah. each. And it, I watch it and I go, "Why should I write any more books? Yeah, this that... is so strange. It's so surreal. The characters are so out there that it just seems completely pointless." To try and manufacture anything with the human mm. imagination. So I don't think it warrants a... Uh, did we already play the... Yeah, we already played the music. Yeah. I don't think it warrants us doing a full discussion on it, but I really just want to say to you guys, and it can be the gabber-jabber. Yep. Um, it's like one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. It's amazing. It's really crazy and creepy. After the podcast I recorded with Caleb, I turned him on to it, and uh, he... <laughs> He watched it and sent me, uh, and we should say there is some very disturbing kind of imagery in the. Yeah, well, it's about first, people getting murdered and yeah. stuff, so not for the, the faint especially of heart. in the first episode, in yeah. the first part portion of the first episode. And he mm. sent me uh, a. Uh, actually, I won't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, because it's a, it makes you jump pretty good. Okay. Do you want to know what I've been into, or should what we just, have you been enjoying we just today? gloss over that? You just, well, I would you like to. Just not even gonna ask me. I gotta be. Interested. I'm gonna drink some of your coffee. I find just for you. Mmm, mmm. That was the best mouthful of coffee that was in that mug. <laughs> you filthy piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just so, to let people fill people in on what I've been into lately, um, I. Uh, Rewatched Apocalypse an hour a while ago for the yes. one millionth time because again I recommended it with almost a threatening tone of voice to one of my coworkers who watched it many years ago and was like, "Yeah, I remember it being pretty good, but I, you know, it was three years ago." And I and I was like, "Go back right now and watch it." So he went back and watched it. I watched it again. It's still just as genius as it was the first time I saw it. It's just, it's immaculate. I, I generally tend to proclaim that as my favorite movie of all time, and yet I think I've seen it. Maybe even twice. Yeah. I think three times, but maybe only twice. And then I started watching Mad Max Fury Road in the black and white again. I've I seen that movie a lot that, of but, times. <laughs> but that that movie's phenomenal. Uh, that's one of the movies I've seen the most, I think. That and then the um, uh, Man With No Name trilogy by Sergio yeah. Leone. Uh, and I've been reading, still reading Ca- Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, which is very good. And then I picked up just on a complete whim because... Uh, I was going to have some some spare time to kill yesterday. 
and I didn't have anything to kill time with aside from my phone, and I'm on it all the time. So we ducked into my favorite bookstore, Hannah and I, and I picked up this very short novel. Stop playing footsie with me in the microphone stand. Where? Oh, that's your foot. Yeah. Hello. This, Jason, this card table is unimaginably <laughs> small that we sit around. I just... So, I have my foot on the cloud lifter, and I didn't realize... Okay, nobody Anyways. knows what a cloud lifter is. Nobody cares. Um, and so I picked up this short novel called Mem. M-E-M. And it is uh, about these memories that ha- are, are physically embodied. It's like this uh, kind of sci-fi sort of thing. It's very strange. It was written by a young woman. And I'm not entirely convinced of the writing style yet. But more than anything, it's an interesting concept, and uh, it's very short, like I said, and I'm always willing to support a young writer. Uh, and uh, yeah, it is int- it is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But it, it's it's attempting to be very cerebral, and I'm finding it a little too tell and not enough show so far. But anyway, yeah. shall we get to the meat of the, this issue finally? 20 minutes in? Yes. Okay, so... The meat of this issue is the Nationals' new record that came out um, a long time ago, almost a month ago now. Yeah. Um, would you be able to flip the puppet to determine who reads the Wikipedia? Uh, sure. I think I I feel face up. I felt face down earlier, but I had a lot of coffee at... It's 10.30 p.m. I and feel I'm still pretty face coffee. down right now. Okay, it's face down. Dang. Okay, I'm sorry. So I will read... I Am Easy to Find is the eighth studio album by American indie rock band The National, released on the 17th of May in 2019. Uh, the follow-up to the band's 2017 album, Sleep Well Beast, it is supported by the lead single, single You Had Your Soul With You, and is accompanied by a 24-minute short film directed by Mike Mills starring Alicia Vikander. Vikander also featured on the album cover. A trailer was released for the companion film along with the announcement of the album. A tour promoting the album is scheduled to begin May or June 2019. Okay, that's that's not really any interesting information. The bulk of the album was recorded at Long Pond, Pond Oh my goodness. At Long Pond Studio in Hudson Valley, New York. Parts were recorded in other cities including Paris, Berlin, Dublin, Cincinnati, Austin, and Brooklyn. The album and film, while having influenced each other, were essentially made separately. A press release stated that the album is not the soundtrack for the film. But the idea for the album itself came after the film was shot. The album features, this is kind of important, female vocalists including Lisa Han- Hannigan, Sharon Van Etten, Mina Tyndall, Gail Ann Dorsey, Kate Stables, and the Brook- Brooklyn Youth Chorus. Now, Gail Ann Dorsey is the one, is the singer who worked very heavily with uh, David Bowie. And I'd mm. like to, I would be interested to find what... Uh, what tracks she was on i'm not sure if we'd be able to find that but she's she played bass and toured with david bowie for a very long time anyway oh and by the way everybody there was a man who ran a marathon in flip-flops oh yeah the moral of the story is how long did it take him keith levisar Dang. Two two hours there's no way that's two hours you can't run a marathon in two hours 46 minutes can you while wearing uh, flip-flops? I think you could, yeah. I think you could. I can't... So his initial pace was six six minutes 
Yeah. Almost seven minutes per mile. Yeah, that's like a that's totally doable. Like I mean, that's insane, but that's totally possible. That's completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I so know the, there are some the decent world, hills later. The world record marathon time is uh, two hours one minute thirty nine seconds. Wow! So this guy killed it with flip flops on. Yeah. That's pretty insane. Holy cow. That's let's, completely nuts. Let's do the yeah. episode on a man running a marathon. Yeah, I think we should. Then. So, yeah, the the National, this is their new album. This is the follow-up to Sleep Well Beast, which was an album. I think I personally am still a little conflicted on. There are some phenomenal tracks there and some some of their worst as well. And for me, for some reason, on that album, their worst songs stand out more than the best ones. I don't really know why. I really disagree. I think there were, I would say, two songs that you were can't, not great. You can't disagree with my emotions, Jason. I can, and I did. Okay. Because I think that Sleep Well Beast is up there at the top of national albums. And over time, guys and girls, I've come to the realization, like, slowly but surely, over the past probably two or three years, no joke, that I think The National is my favorite band of all time. And I'm starting to get to the point where I think this is, I mean, nothing's permanent, but for the time being, I'm becoming sure enough about this that I'm actually fairly confident that that they're out ahead. I just think their output is fantastic. They leave you wanting so little. And so for me, Sleep Well Beast, I think was up at, the top of their albums and maybe not their best but up with their best okay and i don't know how did you feel coming into this album so if those tracks didn't stick out to you do you have any doubt that they would deliver for this one kind of thing no i mean i never you never doubt the national because that's kind of a dumb thing to do and plus like some of their best songs ever in case i didn't make that clear some of their very best songs of all time were on sleep well beast but then like i said some of their really tiresome and dreary walk songs back. yeah the walk system back. yeah only dreams in total darkness and i think they for whatever reason some of the worst tracks on their last album were what they led with in terms of singles like mm-hmm. uh like the title track which i think is actually a bad song i don't think it's good at all yeah um it's no not the title the... track sorry the system only dreams in total darkness it's yeah. really not a good song I'm sorry, everybody. I need to adjust the microphone. It's driving me crazy. It's drooping a huge amount. So I'm just going to... I don't think that this will be loud. That didn't feel loud. It does, It looks okay. Okay, I just need to get this clamp. Okay. This is the podcasting people have come to know and love. Okay, that was loud. Okay, the microphone is now three inches higher. Okay, wonderful. Well, that's what we fought for. Yeah. What did you fight for? Nothing. Um, yeah, so I didn't have doubts going into I Am Easy to Find. It it was uh, surprising to me that they came out so quickly with this album relative to their usual output, which is about four years, I think, ha- has passed between every other album. This is actually a little out. bit less than two. Yeah, right? which is very surprising. Yeah, that's insane. And let me be honest with you guys. I am not well equipped to review this album because I've listened to it a lot and I've analyzed it a lot. But I almost approach these albums, these national albums, from the position that if I don't like it, (laughs) there's something wrong with me. 
when the album is released, I think, I think if it doesn't click with me right away, I'm like, all right, the Nationals a few steps ahead of me. And you know what? It's because that's been the case in the past. We've talked on the on the podcast, I think, more than once about how the National, more than any other band I can think of, um, puts out albums that grow on you over a really long period of time. Like, I would say that in three months, my opinions about a National album are still changing hugely. And maybe even a year later, I'm getting different tracks that are my favorite over time. Um, and I think that's one of the qualities that I've always loved about the National, is that their albums feel like living breathing things as much as I think an album can where depending on the time of your life or the season or your mood at the time I don't know yeah these different tracks uh really speak to you and really resonate with you and maybe the same track will even make you feel different ways depending on depending on things that I don't even understand your situation in life I guess it's Mm -hmm. it's really something else yeah so do you want to go first or should I? I, I, I can go first. Okay. I mean, so the singles they released, there were, which ones were did they release? You Had Your Soul With You. Um, Light Years. Light Years. And Hairpin Turns. And Hairpin Turns. Mm-hmm. So the first one they released was You Had Your Soul With You, which, uh, does that one start off the album? Uh, you can, you've I got the so. track listing right in front of you on the back of the CD. Yes, sir. it does. Yeah. So they released uh, "You Had Your Soul with You," and I was a little, I was a little underwhelmed by it. It's like the, a standard national song, but the, it's not the amazing. In, the intro kind of comes in and kind of builds, and then it just drops off, and it's very mm-hmm. instrumentally sparse, which is something that I think kind of clings to the rest of this album. The sparseness of the instrumental instrumentals. Wow, can you tell I'm tired? Yeah, we're we had really long days. I had. I don't like. I, I don't want to do the like thing. Well, let's not but because we had, we're three we minutes. Long we're thirty days. minutes in okay. and we've done nothing. Let's do it. So, um, yeah. So we started off with uh, with you had your soul with you, and it did underwhelm me. But then light years and hairpin turns are both phenomenal national sa- songs, and I was kind of struck by the um, minimalist purity that these songs had in terms of their production and instrumentation. Not not much at all in the way of their of a traditional band sound which they seem to have uh pardon the pun abandoned since uh since trouble will find me which was kind of seemed like their last foray where they it felt like songs that were written by a band mm-hmm. and not kind of like soundscapes that are then approached by these different musicians i don't necessarily agree though i just think that Sleep Well Beast, a lot of that I think could be performed really well live with just a four-piece band and nothing else. And sure, it would sound different, like it's still very layered, but I think that the majority of that was just like good old-fashioned instrumentation. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are bits and pieces there. I'm thinking more of the electronic elements of those albums where that's much more, of Sleep Well Beast rather, and this album, where the electronic stuff is much more front and center and or piano has taken more of a primary they've just they've gone away from a rock band mm-hmm. sound especially in this album i would say yeah. to oh, yeah. double or triple or quadruple the extent that they did in sleep well beast so all that bearing in mind upon my first listen this album 
does bear a significant difference from the Nationals' previous works. Oh, yeah. Not, not least of which is this, like, armada of female vocalists who grace roughly half, I would say, of the tracks, at the very least. Yeah, and it's probably more. Almost half the vocals, I yeah. would say. Uh, the instruments feel somewhat more subdued, and Matt Berninger's melodies kind of wander and feel more halfway towards spoken word than uh, than his previous uh, attempts, except for maybe in something like... Uh, like uh, uh, what was the song we were just talking about that I didn't like off of Sleep Well Walk Beast? Back? No. The System Only Dreams Yeah, The System Only Darkness. Dreams in Total Darkness. Where I th- at Matt Berninger's worst, he has good words that don't fit a melody. Mm-hmm. And he has trouble finding a melody for his lyrics, and then he kind of just sings some words. Mm-hmm. Uh, the songs on this album don't have really the same catchy, infectious sadness that their prior releases do, but that's replaced with this kind of vi- these vivid scenes of nostalgia and kind of a more golden or uplifting tone than their previous works might have. Uh, it's it's a difficult album to quantify. There's something to be said for an album like, say, uh, Trouble Will Find Me or High Violet or Boxer That that is a collection of songs mm-hmm. which kind of worm their way into your soul through your ears, armed with, like, you know, hummable tunes and catchy riffs. And this is not that album, I largely. Think, I Hold think, on. Let me, okay, let sorry, me finish. Sorry. Come on. Sorry. Uh, this, this album is like a montage of sapia-tinged home movies from like when your parents were kids. It's snatches of things. It's um, beautiful colors and uh, emotions kind of weaving in and out of each other. Uh, I don't think that this is the national's best work but there is some kind of undeniable cohesion within this album as a whole that i don't think their other stuff can match i agree with that. this has kind of the big picture uh gravity to it that a, a real concept album has and it, it is so much more than a collection of songs that like I said, it's it's difficult to quantify. It's difficult for me to go, yes, no, you know, four out of five stars, whatever. Um, there are some phenomenal, phenomenal songs on this album, like Light Years, Rylan, Hairpin Turns. I think uh, Not in Kansas is very good. I think So Far So Fast is quite good. I Am Easy to Find, the title track is the very good. The Pull of You is so good. It's insane. The Pull of You, which one's that? That's the song that starts out really low and then builds to, uh, like, it has female kind of uh, electrified vocals in the beginning, like, uh, not auto tune, oh, yeah, but yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. low-pass filtered. Yep. And, yeah, that's like a, oh. And uh, Where Is Her Head? Mm-hmm. That's the more upbeat one, correct? With mm-hmm. the... I haven't I haven't had time to really learn the song names, but that's the upbeat one with um you know it goes yes mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal songs well so there are like but this is a 16 track album 
It's a yeah. hefty, hefty album. And Although the, at least one of the songs is a transition and another song is almost a transition. Yeah. Her Father in the Pool is... Let me see how long it is. And Dust Swirls and Strange Light. Yeah, Her Father cool. in the Pool is a one minute long track that's just like a transition. But yeah, anyway, if you are if you have something, you know, it's summertime and uh, if you have something like a road trip ahead of you... As we do. Where, yep, where you, um, you know, want a little bit of reflection or just something that you can kind of lose yourself in as the landscape pulls past i would i'd recommend this album uh it's not a summer party album by any stretch and it might be the nationals hardest work to get into that they've put out um but i think it's worth a listen i'm still struggling with my verdict i have no verdict of it i have no verdict um, I think it's very beautiful and very evocative, and I think it's um, doesn't have the snappiness of a lot of their previous albums, but I don't think that that's a bad thing. Um, I'm full of conflict on it. All I know is that I think it's one of, as an album, as a full package, I think it's their most complete and whole-feeling releases yet. And there are mo- there are a couple tracks on it, uh, that I'm sure you'll touch on that I don't like at all. Mm-hmm. But all in all, it feels like it flows song to song far more fluidly than any of their previous releases. Right. Now, as I established, I am somewhat of a national fanboy. And I think I'm fair. And I think I, I'm not going to cut them too much slack. But I do want to start off by saying I think this album is really amazing. And my thoughts are still developing on it, but I think it's really amazing. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that it is so uncommon to find an album that is this different from anything you've ever heard before and this good at the same time. I find that typically with albums that are really uh, quality or albums that make you think, they're either very good and not so different or very different and not that they're not good but they're not they don't stick with you that much so for example uh uh-huh go ahead i want to hear your example first because i have an example i have an example of both and they're both good albums i think something that's very different and good but yeah you know is 22 a million by bonnie bear i really 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 enjoy that album and it's so different than anything i had ever heard especially when i first listened to it But at the same time, it's just not something that I go back to more than a few times a year. On the other hand, something that I think is actually one of the best albums released in the last five years, but not that different, is Earth Tones by Bahamas. And I think that album is like, literally, don't get me wrong, I think that's a nine and a half out of ten album. That album is insane. But each element of it is not so different from things I've heard before. It's just kind of the best of everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. My my two... uh... Um, illustrations of that were going to be Bright Eyes, any of their... Well, not... Okay, not oh, any of their you albums. you can fight me on that. Yeah. But, but for... Um, uh, for Excellent and Not That Different would be something like I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning. Mm-hmm. And for Different but Less Excellent, I would put forward like Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, Nick Cave and the Bad yeah. Seeds, two most recent albums mm-hmm. i think push the sky away and skeleton tree yes where you've got some like on both of those albums you have like rings of saturn still one of probably mm-hmm. one of my favorite songs of all time um 
And then you've got something like uh, Water's Edge, which is just really weird and yeah. kind of profane and dark mm-hmm. and meandering. But my point is that I think an album like this is so very special, and I think it's going to take me many months before I have a, like, this is the concise what I think of it. But I think that it may not be the best national album of all time, but I think it is relentlessly special, and I think it is of almost unerring high quality with a couple exceptions that really bother me. <laughs> um, so I think that I think that they picked the wrong singles, and you touched on that a bit, so I don't want to go into that too much. I actually think Hairpin Turns is one of the weaker tracks on the album. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. But I would put it in the bottom third. I think You Had Your Soul With You I would put in the bottom third, and yep. Light Years is amazing. Light so Years I feel like the they only hit it out of the park with one of the three singles. <laughs> but... Over the years, and I mean the years I've been listening to The National and the years they've been releasing music, for me as a band, they they represent this raw emotion. I think when I listen to The National, they have emotional impact like almost no other band. And over the different albums and the tracks and the years of my life, they can represent any different emotion but i think more than anything i think of and you can tell me if you agree with this this like euphoric nostalgia yeah i think is emblematic of the national a euphoric sadness which is nostalgia nostalgia is like joy and sadness yeah and i think that this album is a perfect example of that i think that as an album to put on while you're doing something else you will find the time slips away so quickly you're not going to think about if tracks are too long or too short and this is actually an example of an album that's very long that I don't think should be much shorter. I would yeah. cut I would cut one track from this album, and we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but it's very uncommon, and people who listen to this podcast know I'm kind of a track Nazi, where pretty much every album I review I think should be you know four tracks shorter. In this case, I think this is a 16-track album that at, at its best would be maybe 15 tracks, and that is also very special. So you think Hairpin Turns is in the lower third yeah maybe at the top of the lower third you are full of barbiturates okay <laughs> now one point you raised that's interesting that i do want to unpack a little bit more is how this compares to other national albums not in quality but in listening experience i think there are a lot of songs on this album that are great to listen to as just one songs independently but less so than other national albums what this kind of reminded me of in this way only not in other ways was pink floyd's the wall where there are a number of tracks on the wall that are just as songs, some of the best songs you'll ever hear in your life, but a lot of the songs on that album are really only meant to be listened to in the context of the wall as an album. I think it's the same way with uh, with this album, where some songs like uh, Her Father in the Pool is a transitional track. Honestly, You Had Your Soul With You, the opening track, really are best enjoyed when you're listening to the whole album and aren't really songs that I would pick out to put on a playlist, for example. Mm -hmm. That said, I think that, to point out a few, I think that uh, The Pull of You, I'm Easy to Find, Where Is Her Head, Not in Kansas, uh, Rylan, and Light Years are all just top-tier national songs. Which, to me, you pulling those out, kind of almost reinforces what I was saying. And I hope, like, it's clear that I really love this album. Mm -hmm. Like, I really like it, but I'm just not sure um, how much I love it or why or, Mm -hmm. you know. 
But this, a lot of the songs you pulled out are some of their most bread and butter in terms of... Yes, absolutely. Like, like not a meandering... Like, even I'm looking at Hairpin Turns and the, uh, the verse lyrics, and I'm remembering kind of this, you know... The way he sings the lyrics is not uh, catchy at all, no. or sing-alongable. Mm-hmm. The National, I think, what this is indicating from you, either consciously or subconsciously, I don't know, is that they're best when you can join in and sing sing along with them. Maybe, but I think that this is... I'm highlighting songs, and that's well and good, and those are the best songs, but I think that's only because the other tracks support them. And when you listen to the album... I don't know, maybe you're not meant to sing along with parts. It sounds like... This album sounds like a score, and I don't mean necessarily a score to the movie, which we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but I just mean a score while you're cleaning the house, a score while you're at work. This is just music to live to, I think, and I think that that's something that's really special. And also, I want to give them some some props as I move into kind of talking quickly about... um, the meat and potatoes kind of the vocals and the the instrumentation i want to give them props for how well i think the female vocalist thing works yeah i would be unhappy i would be unhappy if they continued to do this for like all their albums going forward yes i don't think this is how i would want the band to represent themselves forever but i think as a one cohesive album that was a breath of fresh air and it was something where if you had asked me what should the national do to continue to evolve because i think every band should evolve over time i would have never thought of that no and yet it worked so well while still preserving their identity i i i completely agree too um i didn't touch on my thoughts on the female vocals Mm -hmm. i just kind of said they're on 50 percent of this album at the very least but i think it works absolutely wonderfully in the context of this album Mm -hmm. and if they like you said if this was something they pulled out subsequent albums it would lose that Mm -hmm. shine and that the thing that makes this album it doesn't uh the female vocalists don't make this album stand out but it's a pillar of that yes absolutely um also for instrumentation i really have to hand it to the national for knowing what's important when we reviewed the arctic monkeys new album tranquility bass hotel and casino which actually is kind of like a way less well-executed version of this album. And just in just in terms of in both of the band's stories, you know, Tranquility Bass is the Arctic Monkeys going more into weird instrumentation and longer form, more, more poetic sounding stuff, right? And that's the same for The National. I think that when the Arctic Monkeys did it, they completely neutered their drummer, they completely <laughs> neutered their guitar. And yeah. even though the album's okay... Those were major drags on the album. For this album, I don't know how they kept Brian Devendorf, the drummer, so completely unleashed, but they did. And this is an album that would have been much less impactful without his signature drumming. And I also think that his drumming is the most important key to the national sound. And I think the fact that they were able to maintain the national sound while having female vocalists dominate the album, I would attribute to Brian's drumming well for some reason when artists when especially bands get more experimental the first thing to go is the drummer Mm -hmm. and i don't really understand um how people arrive at that is a good idea Mm -hmm. you know like let's just lose the percussion and the thing that propels the song forward the engine if you will 
yeah, let's just let's just cut that loose and we'll all just float here in like, you know. But nevertheless, that's space. a static quo for conceptual albums, and I think yeah. the National deserves huge props for not doing that. The Desner Twins as well have an did an excellent job, and there is some really fantastic guitar work, and I appreciate that they knew when to call it quits on tracks too. I think that that was well done. No complaints there. And there, there were no uh, terrible quasi no. black keys solos. No, absolutely not. And they they know what they're doing. Also, I don't really have more than this to say on the subject of production, but I want to say that production is excellent. It's world class. I Always. was thinking as I drove to work today how I think what this album and other national albums do is they have this magic quality where they can make bad sound setups sound better than they are. And at the same time, they get the most out of good sound setups. Yeah, like Jewel Tones, for example. So overall, I thought that this album was really exceptional. I have no real bearing on how it how it fits in the pantheon of national albums. It's not as... I don't think it's hard to get into, but I think that if you have not listened to the national, you should you would probably be best served starting with a different album. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this is not, given their whole body of work, this is not the most national representation of the national, but that's not a knock against it. Um, also, the cover design is just beautiful. It's top, the design, ten, the top design. 10 best album covers I've ever seen, I would say. Like it, uh, well, I'm talking about the whole uh, the whole case, I guess, not the, just the cover. The entire representation yes. on the uh, on the CD case is really gorgeous. Yeah. Yes, I would say not necessarily the cover per se, but the whole the whole package is very yeah. nice. So overall, yeah, I don't know um, what else to say really, other than that, it's phenomenal. It has, I really do think it has at least a half a dozen songs that stand up great as songs to drop on a playlist, but the yeah. other half of the album is meant to be listened to linearly if you're if your playlists are you know like that yeah <laughs> in which case but just even even then you know you could make i could make the stereotypical you know the kind of getting sloppy drunk on red wine while wearing my suit with my white dress shirt like halfway unbuttoned as i lounge around my you know penthouse apartment in manhattan but this album you couldn't do that with those songs, really. Except for maybe, is, like, light years. I think you made a great point earlier, though, that none of the National albums... I don't think any of the National albums are really sad. I don't think that that's the case. But this album has a glow and a warmth and a happiness to it that I don't think we've seen as much from past National no. albums. And I've said before on this podcast, I'm pretty sure it was on this podcast, that I think that happy art is underrated in every medium i think that sometimes people think that it's more artistic to have sad art or angry art and sometimes i just like something that makes me feel good and this album still has the nostalgic undertone that i think the national really needs and has built itself around but it presents itself in such a way that i do feel uplifted after i've listened to it yeah and I really enjoy that, and this is this is an album that I will continue to listen to probably three, four times a week for months. Yeah, excellent. Well, that was that was us, and that was a long episode as well. But we haven't recorded in a while, and yeah. we wanted to hash it out. We need to so, get our wiggles out. Yeah. Um, also, the Gabber Jabber is uh, evil genius. By the yeah. way, <laughs> watch it. <laughs> Just go watch it. Um, do we have any idea what we're talking about next? That's what I thought. 
I had had an idea. Where did it go? What was it? I don't know. Oh, I know. I thought about this today. Do you want to just do a completely random but good one and talk about Green Mile? Sure. Next episode on the Good Ship Brothership, we'll talk about the Green Mile. The movie. The movie. Not yeah. the book. Not the book. Although I would like to read the book. Yeah, but so classic, that's... classic movie. I think Oscar winning, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm just saying that. I don't think so. Yeah, if you guys can, I don't know if it's still on Netflix. It used to be for sure. Um, whatever means you have, check out The Green Mile and enjoy it. It's a movie that I feel is really special, and Grant hasn't seen it for many years. So. Yeah, I haven't seen it for quite a while. So we will have a good discussion about it. Yeah, absolutely. Until then, we love you, and please send us any kind of feedback you have. Did you enjoy this album? Did you hate it? Did we talk about this album before? Yeah, have we talked about this before? Jeez. Um, I watched the Anthony Fantano review while I was finishing up my notes. Was he like 7 out of 10? No. He gave it a 4 out of 10. Right? Wow. And I was going into his review... I was positive that he was going to say it was one of his favorites yet. I was absolutely... And the comments are just full of people going, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, which he is. He is wrong. If I had to, If I had to give this a score out of 10 right now, it, like like I said, I'm not... My impressions are not finished or anything. If I had to give it a score out of 10, it would be a, like a 9.3. Oh, also, wow. also I will say that... Uh, That's... That's ludicrous. Also, I will say that the track that I don't like is Dust Swirls and Strange Light because there are children chanting for a long time. And it yeah, doesn't really just, feel like a real song. No, I didn't say that earlier. It's quite... It's quite and I wish it were off the album. Yeah, it's quite annoying. It's one of those things yeah, where but it's like, okay, you just push the envelope a little I just think, too far. I think that it's very hard-pressed to be beat for album of the year. But at the same time, the tours have been releasing oh, these exceptional... Oh, the tours have been releasing these exceptional oh. singles that have me thinking that... We are going to, oh, man. What I I would be shocked if this is not the case. I foresee that come the end of this calendar year, we're gonna have a real two horse race between the National. You literally. I'm easy to find, and the Raconteur's <laughs> new album. Uh, do we know help what it's called? Stranger. Yet? Help, or a stranger. help a stranger. Help a stranger. You literally mentioned the Raconteur's, and my heart beat fast. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm I'm completely serious. I I was palpably aware that my heart was palpitating and that'll be interesting because that's going to be two a, really a tale of two albums where you have this smooth and like golden honeyed album and then this like raucous and frenetic oh, rock and roll man. album and both bored, are going to be fantastic bored and raised bored yeah. and raised bored as in i'm bored and raised r-a-z-e-d uh just google it. it's the raconteur's newest single and like guys i'm telling you like this could be this truly could be the best album Jack White has ever released in his life. And it's like, how do you even compare that to The National? I don't even know. But I I'm, have no idea. But I'm All I know try. is that the Tour singles they've been dropping have been getting me insanely, insanely hyped. Because first they released Sunday Driver, and I listened to that and went, wow, this is amazing. This is classic Jack White with some weird lyrics out of left field that just have this undeniable ring to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some of his, at his best, his lyrics are odd and they don't really make sense, but there's this, there's this, um, iconic kind of flair to them. They released Sunday Driver and it was great. And then they released another one. I can't remember the name of, it was also great. And then they released Bored and Raised just a little, a couple days ago. And I was just floored. It was even better than the previous two. It comes out in eight days, eh? Oh my God. 
goodness, man. It comes out I, on June 21st. We are literally going to hit the, the stop button on this podcast, and I'm going to pre-order that son of a gun. Yeah? Absolutely I'm going to. Are you kidding me? That's, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Okay, uh, let's go. <laughs> I need to pre-order this. <laughs> okay. Peace out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Dude, I... Uh, Dairy Creamer. No. D- okay. Mmm. I wish you hadn't even mentioned. <laughs> it's Honestly, so I can't see anything beating the Nationals also, this I return, year. I returned that hat I bought immediately because it was too large. I can't see anything beating the Nationals this year, but at the same time, I hope it does because if something beats the Nationals this year, then that'll show that we've had the best album or the best year for music since the last time the National put an album out. Yep. Oh. The LP is only twenty-one bucks, and the CD is eighteen. Well, no. Oh, yeah. That seems a little messed up, but you know. Get the LP. Yeah. First, we need to goof on those speakers, you lunatic. I was like, maybe we should just get your speakers. <laughs> that's up to you. I'm I'm down for whatever, but that's up to you. I also like that cover. It's nice. Pre-ordering. Proceed to check out. <laughs> Are we going to leave it running so that people can hear you pre-order the album? Um, I don't can. care. I need to change this method of payment because it auto-corrects or auto... Can I read yeah. your your uh, Visa card number? Yeah, sure. It's, uh... Gone. Here. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Placement order. And the last time I did a pre-order, which was it the got National a day Army, early. I got it a day early and I flipped out Insane. a little bit. Oh, the order has been placed. Hallelujah, everybody. Peace out.